Blog Talk Radio. Come on, music. <laughs> what? Well, there it is. Welcome to Beach State Pandemonium, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network, where we take you down memory lane for a look at professional wrestling the way it used to be, with conversations from those who paved the way. And now, the GWH Radio Network presents Beach State Pandemonium. Good evening, and welcome to Beach State Pandemonium for Thursday, July 13, 2017. This is Michael Norris, along with Jerry Oates and Bobby Simmons. How are you guys doing this evening? I'm, I'm doing man. well. Okay. I was going to say, did the sun melt you guys real quick? <laughs> hey, before we get started tonight, I'd like to say a special hello to uh, one of my best and dearest friends in Columbus, Georgia, Toby Fuller. He he listens to us almost every week, and I'd just like to tell him hello tonight. All right. Sounds He's good. A great guy. He's a great guy. Uh, before we get into uh, our, our sh- I have, but, uh, <laughs> you know, people think they've got a he's lot not, of friends. With his last name's Fuller. He's not a he's not a Branch Welch, is he? <laughs> no, no, no. He, he's, he's he's a real Fuller. He really he's a good guy. He's a genuine Fuller. Huh? He's a genuine. <laughs> uh, before we get into our our show this evening, uh, and. and in case you guys have not heard, uh, we've had a couple of uh, of losses. Uh, I guess they were both yesterday or, or yesterday and the day before. Uh, Molly Ruth, Roop, excuse me, who was uh, Bob Roop's wife for 40 plus years, um, passed away. Um, she's been battling uh, cancer for the last several years, and uh, and that's Bob was was very active on the internet and on Facebook and everything a few years ago and he kind of just uh faded to the wayside. He was he was he and Molly used to come to Mobile every year and uh I guess he's been uh been dealing with her um and her helping her battle her illness. She uh she fought a long hard battle, but uh just want to keep Bob and uh his family in in our thoughts and prayers and also um a gentleman, I don't know if he ever worked Georgia or not. He started out as a as a babyface in the '60s under his real name of Les Wolf, and then uh, turned heel and uh, started working as Buddy Wolf. Uh, worked uh, Minnesota, San Francisco, Florida. Uh, he worked in the Carolinas as Les Wolf as a babyface. Um, just Hawaii was big friends with uh and business partners with Lars Anderson for uh and tag team partners with Lars for many years as in various places and uh but he passed away yesterday as well. Um, he was at one time the husband of Vivian Vachon. Um, and uh they were divorced when Vivian and uh, their daughter was killed in a car wreck, but they had already divorced. But uh, 
never never knew Buddy, never met him or anything. Watched him work a lot. He was a he was a very good worker. Um, a lot in the mode of the Andersons, you know that that grinded out type style. But uh, was a, was a very good worker. Did any did he ever work here in Georgia or Jerry? Did you work with him anywhere? You know, it's a funny thing. I was just going to ask Bobby. Did he ever come here, Bobby? I don't think I ever met him. I, I don't know why I didn't cross paths with him. I guess. I don't, I don't know. You know, my mind tells me, you know, as a kid, he might have passed through when he first started or something. I might have seen him, but I never met him. Yeah, I, I mean, of course, knew the name very well, but never, I, that I know of, never crossed paths with him. And, and yeah, you know, I saw that about uh, Bob Root's wife, and I hate that. I mean, I, I, I've known Bob ever since I started. And uh, no, I just hate that. Uh, I really do. I really do. Yeah, he's uh, Bob is a Bob is a class act. Very very yeah, nice he, gentleman. He he, he is that. And dangerous one, as a snake. One year <laughs> mobile. Somebody had found a. I, I don't know if it was Scott or somebody found a picture of me that little Al made when I was about seventeen. Uh. Made, I guess it was at the old tournament in Atlanta or something. I don't know, but I happened to have it in my hand. And Root walked in my room in Mobile, and I told him, I said, "Hey, I said I had some new publicity pictures made earlier this week. I'm thinking about making a comeback." <laughs> and he, he he's got a wonderful sense of humor. He looked he looked at me. He said, "You've had a hell of a week, haven't you?" <laughs> <laughs> He's just uh, a very very great guy. Uh, he's been yeah, Molly, he's Molly been a caretaker, a I guess, too. for the last what three years, four years, something like uh, that. It's been a while, yeah, yeah. And that's 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 a lot worse in most cases than the person that's sick. Uh, yeah, you know, just it's. I, I I understand. I mean, I haven't talked to him, but I I know it's a. You sometimes have a sense of relief, and and then you feel guilty over that. It just it's it's just a tough time. I, Need to remember him in our thoughts. Yeah, for sure. Well, what I wanted to do tonight was uh, kind of refocus back on uh, what we were when we we first started this deal, and when you you two first started, you guys were ahead of me. Um, and talk a little bit about Georgia. Um, Georgia had a, has had a long, rich history. Um, of of three of us, we only know parts of it, probably from the, the mid-60s on. Um, I'm hoping at some point uh, our dear friend Charles Smith Esquire will join us, but he's supposedly selling gimmicks tonight at a show in Monroe. So, uh, But he said he would be trying to listen, and I told him I was going to put him on the air if he did call in so he could tell us a little bit about the uh, 50s and 60s and uh of course, he was around. He was around in the twenties and thirties, but uh, he probably doesn't remember all that. But um, I'm joking. So, but uh, just just in our our era, or start with you guys in in your eras as, as uh, fans in the mid to late sixties. Who would you say was probably the top babyface in in Georgia? 
<laughs> either single or plural, for that matter, if there was was more than one. But who was consistently a, a big draw here and, and just kind of when you thought about Georgia, you thought about this particular person? Well, as a kid, I didn't know what was going on, of course. But in Atlanta, it had to be Ray Gunkel. I mean, I didn't know he owned the thing, but uh, nobody got over him. I mean, no matter who the top heel was, when I first started going to the matches and first was aware of what what wrestling was, and you know, the the top heel here was Fritz von Erich, and and that was in '64. But you know, nobody got over Gunkel. I mean, the heel may be he he beat everybody in his path till he got to Gunkel. But, you know, outside of Atlanta, people in Georgia didn't know who Ray Gunkel was. They didn't know who he was, yeah. I mean, I, I, I didn't know. You know, Mr. Ward had his own agenda as far as who he pushed down there, but and I didn't know what was going on down there. But, but like I say, you know, that was, uh, you know, and here again, I'm, I'm just my opinion. The, I, I guess Tim Woods, when he came in as Mr. Wrestling, was probably the, the second one. Yeah, he was the hottest thing ever here, here drawing money, I mean. Yeah, and, and back, you know, I mean, when you know it was, I mean, it was just, but uh, yeah, not because we're from Georgia, but I, I'm telling you, uh, the history here is as good as it is anywhere in the country, as far as oh, absolutely, you know, talent, that talent that did come here and stay, and and uh, the money that that was, you know, drawn, and you know, of course you. You know, you, we we can't compare the money they draw today because of the situations in the big arenas and the pay-per-views and you know, but but you know, it was like Ole Anderson said, when you draw money in these towns week after week after week after week, I mean, something was done right. I mean, of course, there, there was always some down times, of course, like anywhere else, but not long, not long. But it, now, it, Bobby it, it, made it was, a good point of of. Fred having his own situation down in Columbus where you grew up, Jerry, who would, who in say the mid to late sixties, I would think that area fluctuated a lot. I know the Hines brothers were there. Don Carson was there. Galento was, was in and out. Greg Peterson, Dromo, Bob Armstrong was a little bit later in the later sixties. Yeah. Armstrong, Armstrong, uh, uh, I mean, Dromo was really big, really big, you know. Uh, you know, I don't I don't know how or when that happened, you know. I mean, he had his run-in with Atlanta office a couple of different times, I know. I mean, which I understand that, you know, that's neither here or there. But, uh, you know, everybody had their own places. You know, the office itself wanted those towns for themselves, which, you know, that's just the way life is and business is and greed is. But. Uh, uh, gosh, I remember guys like the Assassins and Freddie Blassie and Lenny Montana more so than you know the other guys. That was yeah, that that, that what was what I was going to say is, as far as the heels go, especially that's Blassie. That's I remember the most. You know that that I don't know. I'm, I'm like Bobby. You know, you just went to to see it because you loved it and enjoyed it. Uh, but yeah. Uh, I get, oh gosh, I don't know. You know, and most you, people uh, are talking about Blassie. Most most people associate Blassie with either Southern California, which he did spend a lot of time out there, 
and you know later years as a manager in New York, but people don't realize how long he was in Georgia. I mean, from probably 54, 55 on through at least 64, 65, he was he was pretty steady in Georgia, except for you know the the times he retired or or when he went to uh Japan and and he made his home in 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 Atlanta or, or Hateful, I guess is where he lived but uh he um people just don't associate him with Georgia the way they do a lot of a, a lot of other people because you know he was gone by the time the uh cable came along but can you imagine how over he would have been as far as notoriety had cable come along 10, 15 years oh. before it did, with his, his, as hot as he was in Georgia. And, and there was a guy that did nothing in the ring. I mean, I remember, I mean, he wasn't, I mean, he did what he did, and that was it, you know. I mean, he was, he wasn't some, he just, he, did. Had, he had that look, and he could talk, and. He had that tan where he got that tan like no things I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and he and he never you know, he never he never took huge bumps. No, he, he just, just uh, you know, his claim I mean he used to he you know, he told people he filed his teeth down. I mean his big deal was he bit people. Yeah, that was yeah, where was it. That was in the magazines. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> but you know, he, he claimed it that he he caused pe- three people to die of a heart attack in Japan from <coughs> biting his opponent. But you know, getting back to uh, the other, uh, you know, I remember Scarper and Curtis when they uh, Joe Scarper and uh, Don Curtis. I remember them. Uh, I remember the Torres brothers. Not like they were uh, they weren't like my favorites. I don't I don't know why. You know. Uh, I, I don't know. I, that's a good question. They kind of transitioned the the Georgia territory from a singles uh, territory to a tag team territory because once once they came in, and they were here the same time, of course, that Tim was under his Mister Wrestling run, but they kind of uh, changed it. I mean, you know, they were followed by the Andersons. I remember the Von Brauners were here. Uh, Remember them? Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, it's. And you mentioned Scarpa. The first feud that I remember uh, that, that really intrigued me was Scarpa and Stan Stasiak. I mean, they had a heck of a feud in Atlanta. That was that was a win, Bobby. It was well. They they actually were the semi. The first match I ever went to, I got this poster back here. They were the semifinal that night. Uh, and I and so it was right around you know sixty four, and I remember that was the first loser leave town match I ever saw in Atlanta when and when Scarpa beat Stasiak. You know, and it's funny seven eight years later they're doing the same thing in New York except Scarpa's an Indian. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they had a big feud with Strongbow and, and Stasiak, and of course on the tag team, you know, it's no question that that from the time they. They joined up in Atlanta. Tom and Jody as the Assassins were undoubtedly the top tag team in this area for a decade. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. 
So when they would, I know they traveled periodically. They would go up in the Carolinas and work up there as the bolos, and then they went out to Oklahoma uh, for a while. They were in in Los Angeles for a while. They went to Canada for a while. They were in Arizona for a while. Did any of the other tag teams that they brought in, like the Red Raiders or or the Medics, or or did any of them come close to having the heat that Tom and Jody did? No. 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 Not me, not even close. Not uh, even the Von yeah. Bronners. The, the Von Bronners. I, I was another tag team I was thinking, Bobby, around that time. Uh, give me another one, Bobby. Well, the, the, the team that I think had the most heat outside of Tom and Jody was when J.C. Dykes and the Infernos came in. The Infernos, yes. Yeah. But they had some heat. They had some like, serious heat here. They did, but not like Tom and Jody. Because no, I think no. The, the thing with Tom and Jody was the duration of their run, and they, they, they meant so much. Yeah, the, 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 you're right. That's who I was trying to think of. And then and then the uh, what was the, uh, white, the white mask outfit guys? Uh, the medics. The medics. They, they weren't here that long, were they? No, they weren't. They do have no, my school makeup. That's why I, that's why I remember. I let them kill him. That's auditorium. But that's, I think I told that story. But yeah, they, they but yeah, the infernos. That's when it was. Well, I think a lot of that was 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 mainly JC. And the yeah. and the the loaded boot and the the fire thing. In fact. Um, I think the loaded boot thing I saw. Did Paul DeMarco do the loaded boot after they left when he was in Here's a Hill? I don't remember that. I don't remember. I know he did. He did in he did in in Carolina. Did you know that was a piece of talent right there? Yes, sir. Yeah, and I never had the chance to get in the ring with him. Yeah, I I never met him. He was. I I never met him. He was ahead of my time, but uh, I, I remember. Yeah. He was he he was something else. How was how was Bachwinkle uh received as far as being a heel? Good. Now who no, came I, first, him or he or Dale Lewis? Because they both had that same similar Dale Lewis was first. Personality. If I remember right. Well, you know, you know, I'm smarter than everybody. I'm college educated. I know Dale Lewis had that, and he had the thousand dollar challenge. Anybody that could could beat him in, in a certain amount of time. You know, I don't remember Buckwinkle being here. Was he? Here that may have been when you were training in in Florida, because he was in what, Bobby, seventy, sixty nine, seventy, just 70, before he went to work. Like yeah, he he was here less than a year, and he That's he. But he, yeah, what a, what a, I mean, he just, you know, I mean, I remember as a kid watching him, he was, you know, he talked down to you. You couldn't help but not like him. And I never met him when he was here. And uh, I never actually met Nick until I started going to Las Vegas. And what a, what a gentleman he was. But uh, I guess my favorite interview of all time, I remember they worked a deal where he was working with Dory Funk Jr. for the title in Atlanta. And I remember him walking out on Atlanta TV with a dictionary in his hand. And he read the definition of funk right out of the dictionary. And it was it was it was funny, 
But it just, I mean, you know, this guy's, you know, mocking this guy's family name. It, oh, it got serious heat. And he t- and I asked him about it in Vegas. I said, man, you know, where'd you get the idea? He said he was sitting at a desk getting dressed, and he happened to look up and see the dictionary. And he said he just picked it up, and he thought about it, and he looked at it, and it was there, and he said it was just natural. But he said he didn't plan it or anything. He just happened to be sitting at a desk and had a dictionary. You know, as good as he was and as as much as he could draw heat talking, I never understood why they saw the need to put Heenan with him. Never did understand that. Because he certainly he didn't he didn't really add that much to him, you know. Well, now since we're, we've we've bumped into the seventies a little bit, I'm, I'm I got uh, Scrappy on the Scrappy McGowan on the line with us. I know he remembers a lot of this um, as far as different people that he saw because he was around around the uh, business. I guess right from the start with his dad. Being involved in the business and everything. How you doing this evening, Scrap? I'm doing okay today. How's everybody? All right. Good, buddy. But we're just kind of reminiscing about different eras of, of Georgia Championship Wrestling and and who were some of the guys were that made big impressions, both as baby faces and heels at, at different times, uh, different eras. Um, well, I I remember the assassins and. Uh, and, you know Tim and, and John, but uh, also uh, Buddy Coke was in that era. You know when I first started coming around, and like Paul DeMarco, you know I remember him being there. Never met him, like you know, but I remember him being there, and I forget who he was working against all the time. But uh, you know Bill Drummo and Armstrong was, was there, and Daryl Cochran was there at the time too. So the firemen. And we're forgetting. But, uh, we're forgetting. Doug, uh, Doug Lindsay, Doug Gilbert, Doug Gilbert. The yeah. Doug Gilbert, yeah, the, but the he pro. had a long run here. Yeah, I, what, I remember he, he uh, was originally brought in as what, like a protege of the of the uh, the assassins, because I know they they tended to do that whenever they in every territory that they worked in, they they kind of bring in, start up a protege, and then eventually, you know, that person would would turn against him or whatever. They did something similar in in Oklahoma with Skandar Akbar, and then he turned babyface. But uh, wasn't that the situation with, with Doug? They brought him in as the professional, and then when he turned, they kept bringing in different people to beat him. They brought in Bogney as the super pro. and uh, Didn't they bring Stan Fraser in as either the convict or the the big Texan or something like that? Uh, possibly. I don't, I, don't, that. I, don't John, I know Johnny Valentine came in and worked with him. I remember that. With who? Now Johnny was uh, here under a mask, Doug too, Gilbert. briefly, as, as the big O, right? Bob Orton, yeah, he was here. Yeah. He worked no, as the big O, and then he worked as the was Zodiac. It, was it Orton as a, okay. Yeah, the Zodiac. I remember him as the Zodiac, not the big O, but I remember him as the Zodiac. I'll tell you another guy here. We're kind of getting it. We're 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 jumping around, but we got to go back into the '60s again. Another guy that had a heck of a run here as a top heel was Sputnik Monroe. Oh yeah, yeah. When Sputnik came in here, man, they uh, he was he was uh, they they built him up pretty good before he got here, and he was uh, 
I mean, he was he was unbelievable. I remember the first night, uh, the first night he was in Atlanta, he worked with a guy named Guy Taylor. And of course, I didn't know what it was at the time until later. But he hard weighed him, <laughs> and I can remember as a kid how frightened I was because <clears throat> I'd never seen that much blood in my life. Well, you come down and go downtown. They shut somebody downtown today, broad daylight downtown. It's every day. Hmm. Mm. But yeah, it's it's. Uh, I remember uh, Mario. Uh, I remember seeing him a lot. Uh, I remember seeing Spider. That was way back. I was gonna say. <laughs> I didn't know Spider. I know Spider worked here in the in the late '40s and, and early '50s, but I didn't realize that he'd worked into the '60s because he pretty much homesteaded around in Pensacola. He opened up a, a school down there. Mario had a school down there too. But I, I remember seeing him at the arena. What year? I don't know what that what, what year that was. Now. Were you already? Now, I know you weren't involved in wrestling, but were you already a fan when the when the deal took place on television, where where Mario busted open Billy Hines with the roll of quarters and got arrested? No, they got arrested at a restaurant downtown after the matches. That was Billy and, and Don Carson. That's right. That's right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. About now the deal that. with 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 Hines and Mario, they were working a match on TV, and you know Fred was always live with right. the the uh, either the chief of police or whoever he was there in Columbus happened to be home and and caught it, <laughs> caught it, and Mario, you know, they had a match on TV, and Mario took out a roll of nickels or quarters or whatever it was, and and busted Billy Hardway with it, and. Uh, that guy promptly got in his car and rode, drove down to the TV or uh, the sports arena, I guess, where it was he filmed. They filmed it. I don't know if they filmed it at the sports arena back in the 60s or not. But anyway, he uh, he arrested Mario right there on the spot. I don't. I don't, I don't know if they, I don't know if they smartened him up or or not. Let me. Let's see. I've got I've got the newspaper clipping. Let me see if I can find it. And find what what year that was. But uh, yeah, that was that. I was living in Columbus. I remember that happening with uh, he and Don Hines and Don Carson tearing up that restaurant. Yeah, yeah, they both got put in jail. <laughs> that, that, that was the hottest thing in town until Tim got his finger bit off. But uh, I go back to to a guy I remember just like it was a week ago. Y'all, y'all. Y'all probably never saw him with Gene Stanley. Mr. America? Yes. Yeah, he and his brother both uh, did that gimmick. That was April 17, 1965, that happened. Clyde Adair was the police chief who uh, who arrested Hines. <laughs> See, I don't even remember that name was the police chief. Isn't that funny? I, I never heard that story. Mario was released on a $77 bond. 
<laughs> Big time fine. I didn't realize it did. Gene Stanley worked in here because he was he was um, out of Chicago. No, I'm, no, I'm talking about. I'm talking about. Wait a minute, I'll tell you. I'm talking the fifties. The, 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 they only had the, there was no such thing as auditorium. It was just a sports a sports arena. That's where we went for the matches. I remember seeing him. <coughs> Bibble McCoy. Yeah, he was he was big time. Yeah, he was big time in Georgia back in the fifties. Uh, so him, uh, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, uh, Nick Carter was big here. Uh, Rex Mobley. Uh, there was one other. The guy was a, he was a former boxer that. Um, Turned wrestler. He wrestled in a lot in, in Mobile as well, and I can't think of what his name is now. Did, did Tarzan White spent a lot of time here too, didn't he? Yeah, I remember Tarzan White too. <laughs> didn't he play football with Alabama? Sure did, and he played for the New York Giants. Yeah, I remember him. Y'all wasn't even born when I was guys I'm talking about. <laughs> I think I think I think he's the guy at Tarzan White. I think that's one gave Charlie Smith a break and got him he spent the money he spent seven fifty and made five dollars. Yeah. So we 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 have him to blame for Charles F. Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Rode a Greyhound bus, didn't he? Yes, sir. Oh, I remember yes. uh I'll tell you who else used uh Russell in Columbus. I'm talking about this had to have been in the fifties was uh um, Red McIntyre. Yeah, yeah. He and he and his brother Don owned the territory before Gunkel. Right. Yeah, Don the guy was I was thinking about the former boxer was uh, the guy I was trying to think about was Al Massey. Do you remember that name, Jerry? I, I seem to remember that, Mike. But I don't think uh, uh, Red McIntyre was—he was regular in Columbus. I don't—I don't remember. I know—I know who Don McIntyre is, of course, but I, I don't remember him. I'm sure he did come there. I guess I don't know. He was the Paul Jones of the era when I started going in '64. Uh, he was a promoter. Yeah. yeah, he was a promoter. Uh, I met Don years, years later when I was. Uh, working with Ann, and I was out at her house. He was Ann's neighbor, and uh, I met him. Uh, he was uh, He's the one that told Charlie Smith referees were a dime a dozen. <laughs> you know, I, I don't. I don't know that I ever met him. I, I don't know that I ever met him. When did When did Dickie first come to Georgia? And, uh, uh, I'm not saying he wasn't here before then, but I know uh, 60 or 61. 
But I, I'm sure he was here before them. He was younger. Of course, he was here. I think he was in. He came to Mobile in '56 or '57 for the first time, and by that he'd been he'd worked in uh, Florida and in the Carolinas prior to that. Um, I don't know when it was he spent so much time out in Texas. He, uh, I know him and uh, I'm getting off the subject a little bit. Him and Weaver were partners up in Indiana. Johnny Weaver. That's right. That had, they were called the Hoosiers, uh, Hoosier Flashes, or something like Hoosier, that. Hoosier Hot Shots. There you go. Yeah, somebody I'm surprised never made his way down to Georgia, but of course he he was booking in in the Carolinas with George Becker for the the, the bulk of his time on top of Johnny Weaver. Now I never saw right. him work. Unbelievable. He Time reminded me just in pictures of him and everything, the way he was built and the way you know just. His facial features—he reminded me a lot of Dick Dunn. Is that about how he worked? No, no, he was—he—he—he he, he could. I mean, he—he he could do it all. I mean, he was—he—he he was just a Johnny was—he—he he was a super talent. Did uh, who? Uh, I was asked if he ever come here from uh, Carolina. Did Becker ever come down here? I don't think I ever saw Becker work. I, I, I didn't. I never saw Becker till he, till he, I met him in Mobile at the reunion really? one year. I, 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 I never met him either. I'm willing to bet that he and when he was still teaming with Bobby Becker, um guy by the name of Ray Schwartz that worked under the name Bobby Becker, he and George were the Becker brothers, they were hot in California, and they were big on, you know, on network, or what was then network TV, so I'm willing to bet they probably made a shot or two in Atlanta. They could have. Because I think they I were in that. the uh, Carolinas, and, and uh, Bobby was, they were both from New York, and Bobby was up there visiting when he collapsed and, and died. He died, he was still a young man, I think he was in his, his mid to late 30s when he passed away. Really? But, you yeah. know, a lot of guys worked at Atlanta and didn't work the, you know, the whole Georgia territory. Yeah, when I was putting together and my uh, ring results for Ken Lucas, he came over here a time or two uh, to Atlanta and just did shots at the city auditorium or did TV back in the 60s. And then he and uh, um, Paul Christie, when Chris... Christy was working as Chris Lucas. They did a couple of shots for Fred Ward. They did Columbus. They did Albany. Um, they, did, they did like that for about a month. And then, you know, they were still full-time in the Mobile Territory. That's just whenever they had a, uh, a day off or could get a day off, they drove up over to Georgia and, <laughs> and did shots over here. Back back in the day, uh, before I know I was here a long time before we ever ran Rome. Was it a town that was run, you know, like a spot show back in the days? 
it was it was never run as a spot show when after I started. I mean we right. <clears throat> when we started running it it was a uh, I know Barnett had to pull some political strings <coughs> to get us to get the uh the the right to use that building that gym we ran in. I I mean, they just was, they had evidently had some bad experiences with some independent groups and they just didn't want any part of wrestling. I mean he just had a you know, bad reputation and we had to go in there and I remember uh going up there and having to cover that floor and show let them look at our floor coverings and uh see the uh you know that you know what we we were gonna do to protect their floor. Uh so it was a yeah. Same thing same thing with Marietta and that Civic Center. They didn't want wrestling up there because of the history of Larry Bell and all the problems they had there over the years. I mean, that's a building I never worked. Charlie can tell you more about that, but they used to have a cutting or a stabbing up there, I think, every Saturday night. Where, in Marietta? Yes. But I know that building we were in, Bobby, uh, I heard that rent was brutal on that building. Was it? It wasn't cheap. It was, uh, they finally, when we first started, they they wanted a percentage of everything. They wanted a percentage of program sales. They wanted a percentage of uh, ticket sales. They You know, a bunch of stuff. And then finally, when we worked out a long-term agreement, they gave us a flat rate, but it wasn't cheap. Yeah, I heard it wasn't. It was, I mean, it was, what uh, I heard. Yeah, I they charged. You know, Red that sold programs there in Atlanta for 100 years, he went up and sold programs every Sunday night up there uh, when they started running it on Sunday nights. Uh, and uh, they charged him, we had to pay, or he had to pay $25 flat fee just to sell programs. So, yeah, there was a lot of lot of little uh, little catches in those in that deal up there. I know one of the only times I ever heard Ole say that he made a mistake. I don't I don't know what year it was. It was cold that Sunday night. I'm telling you, it was so cold. I mean, it was, it was like in the 20s. Yeah. And you know what night it was? A Super Bowl. Oh. We didn't draw flies. Yeah, you can't run against Super Bowl. No, no, I don't think you can. No. But that, that, that's when I heard him say that. I don't know why I booked this one. But we ran, but, you know. It, yeah. Well, that you never worked. Larry Bell was before your time, too. But they used to, the Larry Bell Auditorium used to be there. And, and uh, Smitty has told me, he said it was so bad up there. He said he, the Von Bronners and uh, 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 Saul Weingroff were wrestling somebody. I want to say it was Tex Riley and somebody. And the finish that they came up with, and I don't know who whose it was, Smitty said he told them, he said, you're going to have a right. And they kept saying, no, no, no. And he said, when that ring filled up that night with fans, he said, Buddy Fuller, who was, you know, one of the biggest baby faces in the territory, they said he run down there to try to, uh, to help. And they said somebody cut him from his belly button all the way around to his back. <laughs> He said it was just a bad place. You know, I, back in the day now, that's way before I got involved in it. They said Hogan's Wheel was like that. Dangerous. 
I went to Hoganville a few times on spot shows, but yeah, in the area you're talking about, oh yeah, I've heard those stories too. Yeah, I heard that wasn't no joke, man. The funniest story I ever heard about Hoganville was was uh, Chief Little Eagle Charles Bright was booking, and they and they said him and Blassie, Blassie who evidently had a few points in the office. They just did not like one another. They worked together because they made money, but they did not like each other on a shoot. And they said that, that Blassie had went out and bought a Cadillac that week, and, and so did Little Eagle, and they didn't neither one of them know they had bought the exact same Cadillac, same color, same everything. And he said when Blassie found out about it, he went on Atlanta TV, and, and you know, TV was live, and they had to leave there and go straight to Hoganville, he said he got on TV and said, all right, all you pencil neck geeks, I'm coming to Hoganville in my brand-new Cadillac, and I don't want nobody messing with it and nobody touching it and blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, he rode with somebody and didn't drive his. And they said they cut the tires off Little Eagles. They said they cut the top, the tires, everything. He said when he come outside, that thing was sitting on the ground. <laughs> You know that when I first started here in Georgia, my favorite town of all the towns was Carrollton, Georgia. I love going down Saturday night. That yeah. place would be packed to the rafters. <laughs> well, well, I was in And see the thing, the thing too, Jerry, the, the, the building we worked in over there. That was that old building that was down. It was well. It's, they built the ball there now. It ain't there no more. But that was a building that had to. Remember the ceiling? How they had to cut the ceiling out where you yeah. where you wouldn't hit it. Well, it went up over the it. ring. They had to cut it out where you didn't hit it. What was the man's name that ran that town? Hugh Butler. Yeah, he owned that store up front, uh, up on the on the road there. He owned half that county. <laughs> <laughs> He was a nice guy, man. Yes, he was. I, I love working there. And you know, he was he was he was so trusted by the Atlanta office. You know, he's the only guy I know that checked his own house up and sent the money back. Really? Nobody from the office ever went up there and counted tickets. Nobody ever did nothing. He'd come to the dressing room and hand me a paper sack, and I never would look at it. I'd just throw it in my bag and take it to the office on Monday morning. Nobody ever checked he, it. Nobody ever did nothing. I think he just enjoyed doing it. Sure he did. And he always yeah. had a TV set up where if you got there in time, you could go watch the playback of the show from Atlanta or, you know, there for the fans to get them to come early. He, and, he was uh, a nice man. He, he, nice he, guy, he, yeah. Yeah, he was a class act. He sold that building, and they built a mall there, and then, he, then we moved out a little bit on 61 up there on the – we started out on the left coming out of town. We stayed there a while, and then that building burnt down, and he opened up the, the other one across the road that, of course, is, they still use Jody today. Ran? Is that Pardon where Jody me? Ran? Is that where Jody ran? Yes, yes, that was it. Yeah, yeah, I remember that building, yeah. Yeah. What was the normal weekly loop? Back when, when you I started, started, Bobby, you... Yeah. Well, or do you, one of you. Jerry's was different than mine. Uh, uh, they ran Augusta on Mondays. Making on Tuesday. 
Like it was always Tuesday, yeah. Albany, Columbus was always Wednesday. Columbus was always Wednesday. They all, they used to run Savannah on Tuesday too. Now, when Jerry started, they were running Savannah on Tuesday, wasn't they? When I started, Augusta was Monday and Waycross. Yep, yep. Same Tuesday with me. Was, Tuesday was Macon and Savannah. Yep. Wednesday was. Uh, Cartersville and Columbus. Columbus, yep. Thursday. Thursday. Uh, Making TV. Making TV. We either Athens. went to Athens or Albany. Albany, yeah. And then Friday, this is when I started, man. Friday was Atlanta and Statesboro. Statesboro. Saturday was... Uh, Atlanta TV, Columbus TV, Carrollton, or Griffin. Griffin. And we walk on Sunday. Uh, when I started up here. When I when I came over, I started for Barnett in November of '74. When Ann, when I came over from Ann, we ran Augusta and White Cross on Mondays. Tuesdays, we were doing a TV show on Tuesday afternoon at the Sports Arena. They had started doing a TV there that was. Uh, you know, where they didn't have to, you know, that they were sending the tape to Albany and Savannah. They were doing a different show, so they didn't get the Atlanta show every week. And they'd bring cars. They'd bring the truck from Columbus. Ralph had his video truck. And they'd have Carlisle at one desk doing a doing a, a play-by-play. They'd have Freddie Miller at one and whoever. But, they, you know, they were sending different shows to different places. We did that on Tuesday afternoon, and then we either went to Macon or Albany. Wednesday was Columbus. They, they weren't doing anything but Columbus then. Thursday, we was when I first got there, we were doing making TV, and then we either went to Athens or Savannah. They were running on Thursday, and then on Friday was Atlanta. And every once in a while, they'd run a spot show, but but not very often. And then Saturday was Atlanta TV, Columbus TV, and was still Carrollton Griffin. And we were off on Sunday at that time, but that didn't last much longer. No. Yeah, because that's when when I started. That's the same thing. We had Augusta on Monday, making on Tuesday. And then it was Columbus on Wednesday. We weren't running two shows at the time. Yeah. And then uh, I think it was Rome. We started Rome up on Thursdays or Athens. And then yeah. Friday was the auditorium. And then Saturday was, you know, like the Atlanta TV, the Columbus TV, then either a spot show, Carrollton or Thomasville or somewhere like that, or Douglas, Georgia. And then uh, Sunday, that's when we started uh, Marietta. Yeah. When did they have time to do places like Americas and Valdosta and places like that? America, they were on uh, spot shows on Saturdays after TV and everything when I, when I was putting up the ring and stuff. Yeah, I forgot about Americas. We ran Americas. Americas was an every week town back when when we were working when I was working for Ann. We ran Americas every Wednesday night. Well, not and then I, I missed that on a Thursday night. It was either Athens or Americas. I'm sorry, it was Americas yeah. or Athens on Thursday. And then they had yeah, uh, they that every Thursday. It was and uh, didn't Gunkle run on Tuesday nights at the auditorium? We ran it when I worked for Ann. When I first when when Ann first when I was ref, started refereeing for Ann, we ran. Uh, we had the contract on the building in Augusta, so we were running Bell Auditorium. And then uh, uh, Tuesday nights we ran Atlanta, and then on Wednesday nights we ran Americas and Batesburg, South Carolina. 
that on Thursday night we ran Orangeburg, South Carolina, and Athens. And on Friday night they ran Savannah and a spot show back up this way somewhere. And then on Saturday we did Atlanta TV. And then at the time I started, we had Carrollton and uh, uh, Porterdale. And we were off on Sundays. When we was talking about Savannah. I mean, they tried everything in the world to get Savannah to draw. And, and as we've talked about many times, that building down there, you might as well have been wrestling in a in a in a, a cow barn somewhere. Uh, you, you, it just, you know, it just wouldn't draw. You, you and, never uh, wrestled at the uh, sports arena here. Uh, never did. Roughly. Never did. Let me tell you something. Every Tuesday night, that thing was packed to the rafters. When they built that Civic Center here, and, and Dunkel wanted uh, Mr. Newman, you know, of course, to do away with the wrestling there, and they moved it to the, uh, other, uh, the Civic Center here, nothing. Yeah. That's... It, never, it never clicked here. Isn't that where Ray Candy got married? Was the That's only the only time, time I ever saw that building full. You should have had him get <laughs> married every week. And that's a shame, but it took him getting married in the ring to sell the thing out. You couldn't put nothing in there. I don't care what angle you run. I don't care what you did. It just it didn't draw. Nobody. I mean, it was here. it was just like it was all it was it was very antiseptic. I guess would be the right word. It was just no there was no ambiance to it. It was you know it was just. I, I don't know. I, they 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 built that thing. Oh, they they. I heard today on the radio they go build a new arena here. You know how much they go spend for this thing? A hundred and forty <laughs> million dollars. And they built that thing, Bobby. If you remember, there's no parking there. Yep. That parking lot is is. I don't know how many cars you can get in that parking lot. It, it, it's just, I, it just, I, it just, it's like when they <laughs> built that that uh, that new uh, that I don't know what they call it in Augusta behind the bell up there. Oh, uh, the James Brown Coliseum. That's what to call it oh, now. <laughs> uh, but it never drew any. I never saw a house in there. No, no. It was just. But the you know the bell. The, they ran that thing. They, I remember they decided to run it on a Sunday afternoon for a while. And this was just before Barnett sold it to Crockett. We were, we we got our booking sheets and, and, and a three o'clock show, or two, it was three o'clock, I think, on Savannah on a Sunday. After working all week, now they want you to go to Savannah on Sunday. And you knew you wasn't going to make no money. So back then, you could fly to Savannah round trip for like $70. So I called the airport and booked me a reservation. I drove the lose seven lose $5 and be back home by 7 o'clock. Then to drive that four and a half hours home, and not get home till 9 or 10 because you knew Monday it started all over again. And especially with me, I had to be in the office at 9 o'clock. It didn't matter where I was. I had to be in the office at 9 o'clock. So I remember getting on a plane that first Sunday going down there, and I, there was uh, over half the card was on that plane. And we got on there, and Barnett got on the plane. 
and he and the, he he looked around and he saw me and he walked over and he goes, Mister Bobby, he says, can you afford to do this? I said, well, sir. I said I'm gonna lose five dollars. I said, but I'll be home tonight to be able to get some rest. And when we got our paychecks that following week for Savannah, he paid every one of us that was on that plane seventy dollars trans. And he he put the word he flew everybody that wanted to fly. On Sundays, he flew us down there. It didn't last long, but but he he paid for our trans. When I got to Charlotte, we used to come out of Charlotte. We had to come down here on Sunday mm-hmm. out of Charlotte. Yeah, and and I'm telling you, when I was in the Carolinas, I never seen the territory that hot ever, nowhere ever, as big as it was. You know, I mean, they had some big towns yeah. up there. You know, I mean, huge. We come down here on Sundays. Wouldn't even draw half a house, maybe half a house. As hard as this, that territory was. I, I they know, I'm, sure it TV. Uh, I'm sure they did. They put a TV in there. They took our TV when we when Jim sold that sold that town to, to Crockett. That you know, and they thought they honestly thought they could make a go of it because, because Columbia and Charleston and all those towns was drawing. Oh, and uh, how far was it to Savannah from from Charlotte? It was closer than Atlanta or to Savannah, wasn't it? Yeah, but it was it was it wasn't no interstate situation. I forgot how we come down here. I mean, it was a trip. Yeah, it was a trip. But that's that's the only uh, town this side when I was in the Carolinas. Which this was part of the Carolinas when I was up there. That didn't. I mean, you, you, you go to Richmond. I mean, you, 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 you couldn't believe your payoffs. You, you go to Greensboro. You, you go to Charlotte, uh, Norfolk. I mean, I don't care where you went up there. I mean, you go to Raleigh. You, uh, you just couldn't believe the money they were throwing. They run a spot shows. I mean, they run, especially in the summer. They run outdoor shows. <laughs> it looked like the Green Bay Packers were playing there. <laughs> it was unbelievable. I remember Bill Eady telling me the story that he called and canceled a tour of Japan, and they got mad at him because he canceled. But he told him, he said, "Look, it's just business." He was he was working a program with Black Jack Mulligan. He said, "I can make more money and stay home sleeping in my bed than y'all are going to pay me for coming halfway around the world." Yeah, no kidding. That's how, that's how, that's how powerful it was. It was the yeah. only thing I've ever seen in my life, ever. And they ran three towns a night up there. The whole time I was there, I, there were some of the towns I never went to. And sometimes you wouldn't see a guy, uh, some of the guys, you wouldn't see them for a couple of months. Yeah, that's what Bill Bill Bowman said about the Tennessee territory. He he'd run into somebody in the dressing room and say, well, "When did you get here?" And the guy said, six months ago." <laughs> <laughs> and when did when did the Georgia office start running Chattanooga? Because they started running Chattanooga before they started doing the the northern tours, right? Because I know when I started coming over in '81 to do TV. Our Saturdays were were uh, TBS, and then you'd either go to do Columbus TV, or if you were booked in in 
Chattanooga that night, then you went to Chattanooga instead of, of doing Columbus TV. But if you did Columbus TV, they were usually running spot shows around Atlanta, like Peachtree High School Gym or something like that. Yeah. Porterdale. We started, it had to be 1980, 79, 80, 80, you know, somewhere in that time frame. Uh, Jim, Jim worked a deal out with, with um, Goulas to, to buy the town. And, uh, you know, I, I think I've mentioned this before, you know, and this is just a little piece of history. You know, before Georgia Championship Wrestling existed, when I first when I first started running errands for Charlie Harbin in, in, in you know, 67, 68, or I guess it was 69 I started. They had a, you know, it was ABC booking. Mm, and ABC, right. Charlie told me, was originally intended to be Alabama, Birmingham, Chattanooga. It was going to be, all of that was going to be part of this territory. And, uh, of course, it didn't work out that way. But, yeah, Chattanooga, uh, I took the ring up there initially. I took the ring up there and left it at the building. And, uh, uh, <clears throat> as a matter of fact, I don't think I took a ring. I think I went up and rebuilt the ring that was there. Uh, new mats and different things, and and uh, yeah, we uh, the first night there, I, I I remember going up the very first night it ran, and and we didn't sell it out, but we come darn close. And, that was uh, a good had, building. I like that building. A lot of it was, it was very similar to Augusta in the in the uh, in the atmosphere of the building, and a great wrestling town. It had a lot of uh, you know a lot of a lot of great matches there, and. Uh, yeah, the fans were very responsive. They've turned that building into a theater just like they did a bell in Augusta. Well, really? Uh, yeah, they've they've restructured the floor so that it's it's elevated toward the back now, and uh, yeah, it's it's not like it was. Bobby, was you out of the business when we? Uh, I think the Oli had it then when we was going to Knoxville. I never went for Oli. I've been. I went to Knoxville, but never for Oli. Yeah, we, we we started going to uh, Knoxville. That was a trip. Where did it run up there? Chihuahua Park? Well, there's a building going in. It was up there on the right. I mean, I never went downtown. It wasn't downtown. It was out a little bit. What was the name of that building, Bobby? The, was it the Coliseum? The Coliseum yeah. in Knoxville? Yeah. Yeah, Coliseum, yeah. Yeah, that's a big building, too. Yeah, I, I never. It was before you get to downtown. I yeah. never went down you know, Knoxville. Yeah, because you have to park across the street from there too, and I think it was a long walk back to the dressing room from the parking lot. Yeah, it was. I wasn't mistaken. I, I think you're right on that. I, I remember making that trip a couple times, but uh, yeah, it was when the Georgia office had that area. I went up there and worked for uh, Louis Tillet. He was the booker up there. We had uh, got uh, Brett Sawyer's brother. Uh, I mean, uh, Brett Sawyer's brother Brett was up there, and I forget who all was up there at the time. Uh, and all, but that was a pretty good area at one time. And I think it's when the feud started too. Right, I went right after the feud started up there. Oh, when when uh, when Ronnie Garvin and all the and Root and those guys decided to start their own deal. Yeah. Yeah, that's when Ron Fuller still owned it, and yeah, that was a uh, that absolutely destroyed that territory. And I mean, you know what a that was one of those deals where it was just they just come along once in a lifetime. They were drawing a lot of money, 
and the and the furthest town they had was Hazard, Kentucky, and I think it was a little over a hundred to Hazard, and that was on Saturday night. But they were running towns that were so close that you didn't have to leave home till six thirty to get there by seven thirty. Uh huh. And it was very laid back, and I mean they were making good money, and and then then for whatever reason, all of that stuff came up. And buddy, you talk about everybody talks about the feud here in Atlanta. You know, we never. I never remember anybody saying a crossword to me. I mean, we were just all trying to make a living, and I think everybody respected that. But that deal up there, you know, that wound up, they wound up going to court. Ronnie Garvin, they had a they had a deal where uh, they had a tournament, and the winner of the tournament won it was going to win a boat. So. The boat belonged to Ron Fuller, and the, the night of the battles of the tournament, Ronnie Garvin won the tournament. He backed into the arena with his vehicle or his truck or whatever he had. He hooked that boat up and drove off with it. And Fuller <laughs> Fuller took him to court, and they went to court. And then you had a choice: you expose your business, or you don't. And Ron, being the, the the you know with the pedigree he's got, he wasn't going to expose the business. And the judge said, "Well, best I can determine, he won this thing at that tournament that night. What's the what's the lawsuit about?" And they wound up dismissing the lawsuit. And Ronnie Garvin had the boat, and that was <laughs> that was during all of that feud when they split off on their own and stuff. Yeah, I heard that got ugly. Oh, it did. It got real ugly. Root was going on TV and challenging Fuller's people to meet him at the arena at, at, at 8.30 on whatever night they was running, and we'll just see who the better man is. And, of course, none of them ever showed up. <laughs> well, it was, yeah, they, it got real nasty. But, but, but like you said, when that, that – you know, when the uncle in the Georgia office, you know, when that split come, you know, the guys would see each other at TV, passing. There wasn't no. No, n- never. Never. The only time I ever heard anything, you know, Ricky Hunter and Jack Briscoe supposedly had a little run in, you know, in the parking lot there at 17. I, maybe they did, maybe they didn't. I don't, I don't know. But, yeah, I, I never, 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 never. Had anybody say a crossword to me, and and you know, and it was from the it was from the guys that was uh, you know from the from the, the Chinaman doing the work. We would run it, you know, Red and Charlie, Scrappy's dad. They'd put the ring up on Sunday on on Saturday morning, and we would take it down. We was using the same ring. Yep. You know, they'd I, put I it up. We'd take it down. That was just the deal we had. And if there was a, if there was a problem with the ring, we'd get there. Red or Charlie wanted say, hey. You got, you know, we found this today, and we had to do this, we had to do that. Uh, there was never any, you know, of course, there wasn't any reason for us to, but even, you know, just right on up the chain, there was never a problem. I know uh, y'all ran, we we still was in the bell, and y'all were at some bowling alley? College Bowl. What a hot night that was. Well, my brother and I we used to ride together to Augusta. If he was driving, he'd drop me off at the bell, and he'd go on and pick me back up, and we'd go to Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just the way it was. I mean, 
you know, he worked for one company, I worked for another. You know, and and, there, and again, the bottom line was we just all tried to make a living. That was it. And, and what happened, everybody got caught up in a trick, you know, and yeah. and that's the way it was, you know. Wow. What actually started that 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 split? Gunkle Dunn. That's what. That's when I the Gunkle and the Jones, because that's when I came in. I started, you know, ushering and selling programs and stuff. When Ray died in August of 1972, uh, the powers that be decided they was gonna steal a business from Miss Ann. You know, the 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 what they said was. We're going to let her sit at home, and we're just going to send her her paycheck. Well, you know how long that would have lasted. And uh, Ann was too good of a businesswoman to let that happen, so she got right in the middle of it. And when she did, and they saw they wasn't going to get rid of her, then, you know, Ann decided, hey, I'll go out on my own. And that's kind of where that started and how it got started. Yeah, I remember, I remember uh, Tommy Nesta unmasking that um, for, for that part, I think, wasn't it? Yes, sir. He unmasked on I was, TV. I was standing behind the camera when he did that, and uh, you remember the old TV station there on Seventeen. You remember you, the heels came out of the dressing room and walked up, and they come in that little cutout opening there where the baby faces came out that door on the far side. Uh huh. He was sta- he was standing in front of the ring doing an interview in front of that little cutout spot, and I was standing behind the camera. And he was out there doing that thing with Ed Capo. You know, Ed didn't know nothing about it either. The only person, the only two that knew about it at that time supposedly was him and him and Jody. He had called Jody in Japan because Jody wasn't even here. And uh, he went out on TV and he he went into that that lawyer speech of his about how they were, you know, people was attacking his family and he was a businessman and blah blah blah. He reached up and took that thing off, and put his glasses on. He said, "My name is." Thomas Anthony Ernesto, he said, blah, 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 blah. Son, everybody in that place, chin was on the floor. <laughs> I will well, never forget it. I'll tell you another thing that went on. I know that night that, uh, Bobby, you had to have been a referee in that night, that Tom and Jody wrestled each other in Columbus. Uh-huh. I was I was on the top of that building in the auditorium in Columbus. Kathy <laughs> 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 and I yeah. went down there because we got in. Well, I think we went in the back. I didn't want anybody to see me sitting down there because I'm still. I'm gonna be in Columbus Wednesday night wrestling for the Georgia office. You know. I'm yeah. Like, what? The? Just I just had to go see it. You know. <laughs> yeah, they were. Uh, they did that little deal, and and uh, you know they. <laughs> I've got a picture somewhere around here, uh, a picture of those two guys without their mask on, standing side by side. There just ain't a lot of them around. But, but you know, as it, 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 serious as it was, it was a fun time. Oh, yeah. I mean, it really was. I mean, it, like you said, there was no animosity amongst the guys on either side. And it was just something that was created, you know. You know, got, I know we, you, we, we have talked been, about this. Go ahead, Bobby. Go ahead. I was going to say we have been joined by the uh, the man who was right in the middle of all that, uh, the illustrious Charles L. Smith Esquire. Did you make any money that's in Monroe, right. Charlie? No, sir. That's because I'm on my way home. <laughs> 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 I 
They have got uh, 75 people. Gee. My and they're going to run again Saturday, there. right? Yeah. Yeah. They'll probably have 150, 200 Saturdays in now. Hmm. Well, we won't I keep you so. very long because you don't need to be talking on the phone. You're bad enough driver without talking on the phone, much less trying to talk on the phone and drive, too. And you got that right. My wife said, <laughs> her and Michael is showing her take my driver's license away from me. <laughs> did y'all get your ear yet? What's that? Oh, you know what? No, no, we did not. Mine has not come yet. They they don't know what the ear is. The ear is the Cauliflower Alley Club newsletter. But it comes in the form of a little magazine, so. This is the first one that Royal's done, right? Because I saw he posted uh, a sample of it on Facebook. In our friends no, on he, Facebook. he's done the last right. three or four. Oh, has he? Yeah. Well, maybe yeah. he's just done it. He's done a different format or something because he was. I didn't read the whole thing that he put. I, I just looked at the pictures that he had of it. He's got but, a lot um, of pictures in this mirror. Y'all talking about the split. That was a lot of fun, you know it? It was a blast. Yeah. It was a blast. I know it, was a, it, it had to have been a good time to have been a wrestling fan. Oh, yeah. But, you know, the uh, venues was good in the 60s, too, you know. So, auditorium sold out every Friday night. Well, we don't know who they had main event. It sold out. Sometimes it's uh get an outsider come in like the bruiser, rocker. But they'd be at the ballpark for them for them too. But we saw possibly a ballpark out a couple of times during the sixties. I remember going to the matches there. I remember <clears throat> I can't remember who I saw, but I remember going a time or two. It was almost within walking distance of where you lived, wasn't it, Bobby? Well, yeah, I guess you could have walked it. It was, it wasn't too bad. It, it was, you know, think about <clears throat> from a wrestling fan standpoint. I hated when they went to the ballpark because you were so far away from the rings. They'd put the ring up on the pitcher's mound, and and of course they'd set ringside seats up around it. But if you were in the bleachers, I mean, you were a long way from that ring. When you win some, you lose some, Bobby. <laughs> yes, you got that right. <laughs> you can't have it good all the time. <laughs> how many times did you work the penitentiary, Charlie? I didn't hear you, sir. I said, how many times? Well, that's not, not unusual. How many times did you work the uh, penitentiary? Uh, three times. That was a blast. You only went on that trip, sir. All <laughs> down the back gate. And they uh, asked you who you are and everything. And they pulled the gate up. And you 
go in. That is at the gate now. Then they inspect the truck up under it, over everything else. Then they let the gate uh, gate out into the field. They let it out. Then they uh, would have about 25 guys there to help you set the ring up. All you got to do is be a porn man, that's all. Hmm. You never had an instance of somebody trying to sneak out in the ring truck, did you? Trying to no, make a break? No, no, They had to sneak that name third of It's like uh, when Tom come out there and wrestle, he had his hood on. He carried him in a room. And one man went in there with him and recognized him. You know, he took the mask off. And when he uh, got back out, he had it back on. But that man followed him all the time he was there. <laughs> and, uh, and when he uh, got ready to leave, he went back in the room and identified Tom again, you know. I've always wondered if if any of the boys ever... <laughs> Ever skipped their booking because they had a warrant out on them. They didn't want to go over there. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a pretty good, that was a pretty nice place. They, uh, they, get, they get no money for it. They, they fed everybody a big old fat steak, though. It was real nice. Good. They raised their own beef. You know, it's down at, uh, at Pantlesville, down, you know, federal prison down there. Yeah. And, uh, they raised the beef down there. And always had a good state there. Now, Bobby, I know you 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 worked at Milledgeville. Did Jerry? Did you ever work in Milledgeville? Oh yeah, worked at that federal pen too. <laughs> oh, did you? I didn't realize you worked at the pen. Yeah, yeah. Jerry, did you ever get one of them uh, certificates from them? I, I sure did. I sure did. I got it somewhere, Charlie. Do what? I, I still got it somewhere. Oh, I got mine all planned out. Maddie, my wife had mine did that for me. Oh, Maddie, that one got a hand in my living in my bedroom. I showed it to somebody one time. They said, I didn't know you was in a federal penitentiary. Yeah. This is an honorary ex-convict. Master of Rogue Smitty, Smitty's wife had his frame. It's like a high school diploma. He should have been in so many prisons. She figured, you know, that's kind of like graduating. Yep. <laughs> What's the oddest yeah, place that, you that, ever that, worked, Scrappy? Huh? What's the oddest place you ever worked? God, uh, shit, I can't remember, Mike. You I know when they, when, they did the, when they did the federal pen, I wasn't old enough to get in. And also, my dad and Red had to take the ring, and I remember them taking the jack away from them out from other truck. You know, and uh, but I never got to go to the pen. But the uh, you didn't go to Milledgeville. No, I never made it to Milledgeville. You didn't make it there either. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> that's the strangest. That's the strangest thing. You know, you don't think a lot about it till you go to one of them places. And, and you get in there, and, I mean, it was awful. 
Jerry, was was the was the was the patients cooking cakes and stuff when you went down there? Yes, and I never ate one either. No, me neither. <laughs> You'd go in a dressing room and there'd be cakes and pies and that the that the, the I keep wanting to call them inmates. There was there was patients in the, in the mental hospital. They'd make all this food for us and they'd be in the dressing room, and nobody ever ate none of that stuff. I mean, you know. No, I, I oh, know. I didn't. No. Would you? You know, and on the far end of that building was a stage, and That's they were correct. Hardwick Prison, which is the women's correctional state <laughs> women's correctional facility. They'd bring them prisoners in and set them on a stage, and there'd be a guard at either end of the stage with a shotgun. Oh, it was you know, a trip, man. It was, oh, it was it was interesting. It was interesting. Dang. Bearcat right down there looking up at them women hollering, hey, what kind of bird can't fly? And they'd be screaming, you come up here, we'll show you. <laughs> Boy, it, was, it, was, it was crazy, man. <laughs> oh, it was pitiful. I mean, those people, you know, they'd bring the patients to the match. I mean, it was, it was, it was One fellow was that balcony up by one time. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. He got up and started down. When he got to the rail, he didn't stop. But you know, and and you know what's sad. I mean, we laughed, but what was sad? The hills were arguing over who he was trying to get to, who had the heat that the guy was trying to get to him. I mean, this guy's dead. He's on the floor, just graveyard dead. And and they over talking about, well, he was after me. <laughs> yeah, right. Then we don't take the ring with you. I said, I the referee. Nick Nick Bockwinkle's brother, Dennis, they sent him down here to referee. Dennis was a recovering drug addict. He was, uh, he's a nice kid, but he was, uh, he was, uh, uh, he was spaced out. He had really fried himself with these drugs. And we was down there one night, and he was refereeing, and I was standing in the back. They had sent him down there, and we were alternating matches. And, uh, I stand in the back, and one of them patients jumped in the ring. And when he jumped in the ring, Dennis turned around, and they were like face to face. And and I didn't know, I really didn't know which one needed to be in there worse, because neither one of them did anything. They just sat there staring at each other. And I run from the back of the building, jumped in the ring, and I didn't hit the guy because I knew he was a patient. I just went over there and just like did a did a body block on him where I bumped him off his feet and then the, the cops or whoever grabbed him and, you know, and I just went on out the other side and went on back. And, and you know, Dennis was, I, I sort of, sort of like maybe when Speedy Hatfield said, he probably didn't know who I was. He thought I was just passing through too. But, you know, <laughs> it, it was it was a strange, he wasn't here long. Hmm. The other one we had here that didn't last long was, when George Scott came in the book, George started his son refereeing. Remember that scrap? Yep, I, I didn't last long. No, it didn't last long because his, you know, I think the elevator went up and down. He just chose not to ride all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't Charlie Cook's brother used to referee too? Yeah. Yeah. Gregory. Yeah, Gregory I was okay. Him from TV. Gregory was okay, but Gregory, you know, he he just, I don't think he was really into it.
Yeah, we had several pass through that uh, they were going to make referees out of, and it just didn't quite work out. Well, I know, I know Jimmy McGuire and Larry Brock both came up from Mobile Territory a time or two. They did that when Louis Talay was, was, was helping helping book. Louis brought Larry Brock in here. He would come in on Friday nights and work door to door, and he would work he would work TV on Saturday some, and then he would go on back to he'd go on back to to you know Dauphin. Yeah, he 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 worked at the at the dairy in Dauphin, so he yeah. had a full time job. And then and Jimmy was a good referee, but he uh, <laughs> he liked his uh, herbal medication a bit bit much. Yeah. Yeah, he was he, he'd been there. Jimmy McGuire. Jimmy McGuire, yeah. Yeah. He was a good referee, you're right. Yeah, he was refereeing when I went in down there in seventy seven. That's when I first that's when I met Jimmy. Yeah. He and Ricky Gibson were big buddies, so what's that tell you? <laughs> <laughs> they were running partners. <laughs> They uh, they got in, got in some trouble. They uh they went out and broke in this this drug dealer's apartment, and I don't know what they were looking for, but they broke in this guy's apartment and, and worked him over pretty well. And they had to leave the area for, for a little while. Jimmy ended up he worked in Kansas City. Some was was he? Were you in Kansas City when Jimmy was out there, Jerry? No, you remember Jimmy McGuire? Oh, I knew Jimmy well. That's when uh, Buck was out there booking Kansas City. Yeah, it was, it was, it was Rocky, son. Oh, I believe I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, I Where is he going? He's driving home. <laughs> he get up and go to the back of the van, put it on cruise he control, may go be, to the back of the van? He may, he may <laughs> be home because he ain't, he ain't that far from his house. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's right. Monroe's not far from Loganville. Well, guys, I'm going to have to break and run. All right, Jerry. All right, baby. It'll be you and I next week. Uh, We're going to have – go ahead and tell everybody, we're going to have special guests, uh, Ron, the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller, and Charlie Platt will be joining us next week. Uh, I tried to get uh, Les Thatcher on as well because I was hoping to have, like, a a southeastern reunion, but but, – Les has started a uh, second career at the age of 77, and uh, he's going to be on the road for through, uh, next week, and he won't be able to join us. So, But uh, anyway, get, you have a good weekend, and uh, I'll talk to you next week. Okay, y'all be good, guys. I'll be All right, good, take care. Sir. See you later. Bye. Nice talking to you. Bye. Bye. Oh, while we got this law, Scrappy, what's going on with you? You've been back uh, to the doctor? Well, yeah, I went to the doctor on Tuesday, and uh, they decided to go ahead and do the bypass. I'm a good candidate for it. So I'll start by going to the hospital on Monday morning, and they'll uh, my blood to where they can get it thick enough or however they do it to uh, be able to do the bypass. So I'm looking somewhere maybe Thursday or Friday next week. I'll uh, have my... Right now it looks like a double bypass, but it could be a triple bypass by the time they get in there and start looking at my heart and everything. So, but uh, well, well, would it save you any money if Bobby and I ran by McDonald's and got some straws and brought them over there and let them use that? <laughs> use the straws <laughs> for your bypass? Uh, I, yeah, I wouldn't mind that. 
That'd be a lot cheaper on me. <laughs> Jeez, I love you. Yeah. Now, I talked to yeah. I talked to him a couple of days ago, and I told him I love him to death, but I'm glad it's him and not me. You and me both. Uh, I'm, I've got I, nothing. Yeah. N- Nothing major, but uh, nothing as major as what you you got to go through. But I'm I'm looking at uh, having to have cataract surgery here in the next little bit, as soon as they can get my eyes where they're not so dehydrated and, and got enough uh, liquid in them where they can go in and do that surgery. I'm not I'm not really worried about it because my big brother they just had them. Bobby had them done. What's it been? About you can't six help months ago, Bobby. Like I told him I knew how to do it. I'd do it for him, but he, you know, you just can't help folks. <laughs> but I, 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 just want to, I, I just want to thank everybody for the thoughts and prayers and everything during all this, you know, what I've gone through and stuff, and appreciate everybody. So I really do. I appreciate it. Well, you be are you still here. working scrap, or you already got took? Are you gonna work through Friday, or are you off now, or what's happening? Well. I'm off to uh I'll go back and work Saturday and I'm gonna work Saturday then uh then I'm I'm off till the doctor releases me after that. Okay. So uh he's you know, recovering depends on how I doing recovery and you know, and everything when I go back to work. He's talking maybe hundred and twenty you know, three months, maybe four months be out of work. So Good gracious. Hmm. You'll be like me, you won't want to go back. Well, the three and a half weeks I was out after having a heart attack and everything, I didn't want to go back. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> uh, uh, well, how's how's Ann doing? Uh, she's doing pretty good. She uh, got two more doctor's appointments, and then she'll go back to work. And uh, good. she's doing a lot better, so thank you for asking. Good. Uh, we're, guys, just, we're just a house of sick people here. I tell you, man, <laughs> Fred, that first grandchild gets born, and you guys just fall apart on us. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, they were just up. You get old overnight. Like <laughs> it's It'd be bad, won't it? Yep. They'd be trying to be a wrestling a lot. <laughs> She's getting big, I tell you. She's uh, seven months old now, so she's getting big. Hmm. Well, so, but, uh, as, soon as, as soon as you get all that done, all that done and, and taken care of, and I get where I can see, we're gonna we're gonna go over to Alabama and kidnap her and get her out of over, get her out of that foreign country. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like a winner to me. <laughs> Excuse me. That sounds like a winner to me. Well, we got to take a road trip on a Saturday. Uh, we got to go down and see Jerry. We, you know, yes, with we me. Do. As many shows as we've done, we've never been in the same place at the same time. And uh, I talked to him the other day. I told him, I said, we're going to surprise you on a Saturday. And he told me, he said, I'll take a day off. Y'all let me know when you're coming. So <laughs> we'll uh, yeah, we've got to make well, that after, arrangement. After I, have this, after I have this bypass and everything, and I'm good, I, I'm ready to go. There you go. Yeah, we got our no. wheel man. Long as long as Doctor Corn is is able, we got us a wheel man. So you said that right. That, you call, you know. I'm, oh, did say, he? I'm not sure Doctor Corn will talk to us anymore. He bought him a brand new car yesterday. Oh, what did he buy him? He bought a Kia Soul, man. I've started a trend. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bobby's working on his third one. Now, I'm on my fourth one. 
Is it? Your, yeah, I guess it is your fourth one. It I is, forgot about the one that got wrecked. My fourth one, yeah. So uh, <laughs> we got a we got a lady at church that after she saw my red one, she bought one. She called. She got online and and set her deal up. They brought hers to her work. She never even went to the dealership. They brought it to her and she signed the papers and took her trade in and off they went. So hers is red. So. If you pull up at the church, we got three of them sitting there. Dang. One of them got a song too bad, isn't it, Bobby? Yeah. What? One eater. One got one. My daughter's got My daughter has one. Uh oh. So. Dang. Or to have some stock in the company or something. <laughs> <laughs> At least let you be on a commercial. I'm telling you. That's it, yeah. They well, want Bobby's to got some news for us, too, because he is uh, suffocate. <laughs> I, that's hard for me Bobby. to believe when Mr. Randy went and got him one. Yep. He's, he he got him a 2017. I ain't seen oh. it yet, but his is black on black. Oh, is it? Yep. He oh, told man. me today, excuse me, Bobby, he told me today, he's like, the guy said, how much you want to pay down? Randy said, nothing. The guy said, what? He don't pay it off. <laughs> he paid cash. Oh. Must be nice to be independently wealthy like that. Yeah. Well, I tell you, uh, we got that. Go ahead, Mike. Bobby has uh, started a new career, too, and I was going to get him to tell us about that. Because that affects us a little bit. Yeah. Well, I I had uh, I've been retired for about a year and a half, and I'm uh, I, just to be real honest, I, I I run and do for the church as much as I can, and then they're all I need to. But I was catching myself sitting here in this recliner watching TV, and and the more I sit here, the more I realized how much I enjoyed that. And, uh, you know, a day or two sometimes would go by, and I wouldn't even go to the mailbox. I just was, you know, very comfortable doing what I was doing here in the house. And uh, I realized I couldn't do that. So uh, opportunity presented itself, and I did a job interview, and uh, uh, I went back to work. I'm working for a groom transportation company out of Macon, Georgia. Uh, They run uh, a shuttle service between Macon and the Atlanta airport, and I'm uh, working as a customer service agent with them, answering the phone and taking reservations, doing different things in the office. And uh, I'm going to be working on Mondays and Tuesdays and Thursdays, but but the deal is I work from 2 in the afternoon till 10 at night. So uh, uh, after, you know, just there's no way I'm going to be able to continue to do the radio show. And uh, we talked about it, and I've talked to Michael, and I've talked to Jerry, and uh, – uh, I told my, I told Mike when I, he answered the phone tonight, this is kind of a sad night for me. I've been doing this for nine years, almost yeah. nine years we've been doing this show, and me and Jerry have done, uh, have done, been together for nine years doing this. And uh, Michael came on what about seven, seven and a half ago, seven, that's almost seven, seven years, years ago. ago, yeah. And uh, we've done a lot of shows, and we've had a lot of people that. Uh, we have, we th- through Michael and, and different people, we've been able to locate people that hadn't been heard from or been on a radio show in years. And uh, 
we we've talked about how many people have done our show that are no longer with us and how much fun we've had and uh but just you know I don't know it's it's just time and and uh I'm really going to miss it I remember I remember when Rich Tate approached me about this I gave him every reason in the world why I didn't want to do it I didn't have time I was too occupied I, I just I can't remember what all I told Rich when he when he come after me but he just persisted and finally, he said, look, do it three months. If it doesn't work out or you don't like it, I won't say anything else to you. And I have to be honest, this has become my favorite two hours of the whole week. I look forward to being on the phone and talking about what I love and talking to Michael and Jerry and Charlie and Scrappy and whoever else happens to call in. And uh, uh, Dennis Mitchell, who has become a... I've never met Dennis face to face that I know of, but he has become a he's become a friend. He, we we talk to each other via Facebook and and different things, and uh, so the show's done a lot of good things for me, and I hope I've contributed something over the years. It's oh yeah, it's been tell, tell them what you told me the other day about the guy at the the doctor's office. Yeah, when I went to get my cataract surgery done, when you're you're sitting in a big waiting room and. They call your name, and you go back, and and you do your paperwork, and they dilate your eyes, and then they take you over to the actual waiting room outside the surgical area. And they called me, and I went back, and I, I filled out my paperwork, and I was dilated, and I, I went across, and I was sitting across the hall in a, in a chair waiting on them to call me back into the surgery area. And the door opened, and this gentleman stuck his head in the door, and he goes, are you Bobby Simmons? And I said, yes, sir. He said, are you the Bobby Simmons that's uh, on Pete State Pandemonium on Thursdays? And I went, yes, I am. And he said, he told me his name, and God forgive me, I, I don't remember it, but he said, I wanted to shake your hand and tell you how much inter- how much joy you have brought me bringing back my memories of going to the city auditorium on Friday nights as a kid and as a young adult. He said, y'all talk about people I know about. He said, and I just want you to know how much I enjoy it. And it made me feel so good. And uh, just, you know, it was was just, it it was very uplifting. So hopefully we've done something right. And uh, I'm going to miss this and I'm going to miss you guys. And uh, I'll be listening. And and, uh, uh, to, to Dennis, keep in touch with me. To anybody else, I'm on Facebook. Uh, my email address is bobby underscore ARA at yahoo.com. I don't mind you reaching out to me. And if there's anything that a uh, question or whatever, I'll be glad to try to answer it. And uh, Anyway, thanks. And uh, uh, I appreciate the run. It's been good. Well, we certainly appreciate this. And I, I appreciate you and you and Jerry and, and Rich when he was involved reaching out to, uh, to me when uh, – after you and Jerry beat everybody else in the territory and run them out of town, you you guys reached out to me, and this has been this has been great. It's it's uh, but uh, with with you know the passing of Jay and everything, and, and now losing you. But uh, we'll we'll see see what the future holds for us. But like I said, we got a great show planned for next week, and 
at this point, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up for tonight. Smitty, I, I appreciate you joining us. Scrappy, as always, yeah, appreciate, uh, appreciate you joining us. And, and uh, you're welcome. Good luck to you, and you know you're going to be in our thoughts and prayers with this upcoming that you've got. And Smitty, we always pray for you. It don't do no good, but we do it anyway. I know it. My wife says the same thing. <laughs> and don't worry about your wife, Scrappy. I live close enough. I can go up there and make sure she's all right. Well, I appreciate that. You I, I wouldn't have it no other way. I wouldn't have it no other way. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, hey. good night, everybody, and uh, we'll get together again and do this again one more time. All right. Sounds good. Good night, everyone. Good night, guys. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.